Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We have a great one for you today. And what a week we got coming. A ton of great guests, a bunch of episodes. This is going to be a blast, but so is this show. Because we have a lot to talk about. A lot happened over the course of the last week in Major League Baseball. So, of course, catch you up on all the storylines. We've also been doing Team of the Week every week. Well, it's a new month. So we're going to do Team of the Month. And of course, updated MLB Power Rankings Top 10 coming your way soon. But let's start with some storylines. Producer Conrad, what a week, man. A lot happened around Major League Baseball this week. There was a ton happening throughout the entire week. But I mean, it felt like this past weekend, and we talked about it Thursday, so many great games turned out to be better than expected. But let's start with the first storyline, Philadelphia and the big changeup that happened over the weekend. Yeah, you know, I, I sat here on the Thursday show and predicted and thought that the Phillies needed to make a change. And literally like a day or two later, Joe Girardi gets fired. Now, did I think it would happen that fast? No. Did it make me look good? Yes. <laughs> but he's gone, and it was a shock. It was a shock to me. It was a shock to a lot of people that they made a change that early. But guess what? Since that, since that day, the Phillies haven't lost. They're 3-0. The first game, they put up 10 runs. They win 10-0. The next game, on Saturday, they put up five runs in the first inning. So we're sitting 10 innings into this new regime in Philly, and they're up 15 to nothing. scored 15 runs. They win two ball games Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday comes along. That, that game's a little different. They get behind early. This was a game that the Phillies would have lost, it feels like, 100% of the time before the switch. But they did make a switch. They end up coming back in the eighth inning. Bryce Harper, off of a great closer, Rysel Iglesias, hits a grand slam to tie the game. It was electric. They end up going on to win the game in the ninth inning. They gave up a run in the top of the ninth, and then they hit a walk-off three-run home run down to their last strike, their last out in the bottom of the ninth inning. They walk it off. They are now 3-0 and without Joe Girardi, and it was the switch that I think and thought last week it needed to be made. They needed to make a change. Now, is was it all to blame on Joe Girardi? No, I don't think so. But with a team that is as talented as the Phillies clearly are, an elite offense, and a team that should be middle of the pack in pitching and slightly below average defensively, they had been average offensively 
and bottom of the league in everything else. They were better than that. So now, Joe Girardi's out. It's like a shot in the arm for this team, and now look how great they're playing. The Phillies would have lost that Sunday game every single time. It was one of the craziest games that I have seen in a long time. You just knew Bryce Harper was going to hit a grand slam and tie the game in that eighth inning. It just felt like it was going to happen. They were playing a struggling Angels team, which we'll get to in a few minutes. And they were struggling themselves heading into this series. It was an awesome game, but it just feels like that changeup in Philly is exactly what they needed. Now the NL East is all, it's all playing better. Every team has a chance to get into the playoffs. And by every team, I mean the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies. But the Phillies are now playing much better. Um, Thompson on whether the Phillies are having fun now. This is a tweet from Alex Coffey. Yeah, I think the kids bring that. Maton, Moniak, Stott, they've got energy. They run around. It's fun. You know, they create it. The Phillies are fun right now. They're creating an energy. You can feel it around that team. For a while, it just felt like you were watching a team that was going to figure out a way to blow leads and they weren't going to hit when it mattered. That elite offense wasn't going to hit when it mattered. Now they're hitting and pitching and there's energy. The crowd's into it. They're winning ball games. This changeup to me feels like exactly what the Phillies needed. Absolutely. Now, how much do you think of like the managerial just Joe Girardi seems very no nonsense. And sometimes just like we heard last year with Jock Peterson and the Braves, they injected fun back into the team. Do you think that with Joe Girardi's kind of no nonsense leaving that they can finally start having fun and just start playing like free and loose? Yeah. You you know, there's something to be said also for just making a change. He's been there for a couple of years now. The guys are comfortable with him. You know what you're going to get, whether that's in a positive or a negative direction. He doesn't bring that, he doesn't allow that energy that I think this team is capable of playing with, though, and we've seen that lately. This team is young. They have a lot of really young stars that can be good that haven't performed to their capability yet. So oftentimes it comes down to a manager and how he manages that energy the kids on the team. So, you know, it's not always about X's and O's and when do I bring in this pitcher and when do I give this guy a day off and when do I plug this guy into a lineup? Sometimes it's about letting your guys be themselves. And sometimes it's about not letting them be themselves. It's about managing the personalities that you have on the field. And maybe Joe Girardi was a average manager. You know, I I don't think there's many managers that separate themselves and allow a team to be much, much better. And I don't think there's a lot of managers that are the contrary, bringing their team down a ton from their X's and O's. I think there's a lot of managers that are right in the middle and it becomes about managing the personalities you have on your team. I don't think Joe Girardi was doing that. Clearly not. Clearly him leaving has done something for this team. You know, they come out, they win 10-0 in that first game, and it's the storyline of, oh, Joe Girardi leaves, and this team starts playing great. But you look at the span of a three-game set where they won in all different facets. They blew them out on Friday. Then they win. They score runs early, and they they hold them 
on Saturday, and then on Sunday they're behind in a game that they would have never won. They come back and win in exciting fashion. Now you start thinking, like, is there something to this? Maybe this locker room needed this. Maybe they needed the managerial shakeup that ended up having. The Phillies are having fun. That added wildcard spot still gives them a chance. Easily. We're a third of the way through the year. They can play good baseball and play as they should, as I think they can. At the beginning of the year, I predicted the Phillies to be in the playoffs. It's not because of any other reason other than I believed in the moves that they made. I believed this team was really good. I still think they are really good. They they have it up against them now. They have a little bit of a hole to climb out of, but I think they're capable of doing that, and I think this new managerial shift could be a big reason they do that. Absolutely. Anytime you see a team that's, you know, a top five team in payroll, not playing up their expectations, you just need a little change up, see what can happen with the rest of the roster. Another point before we move on, by the way, Rob Thompson is the guy stepping in and players have talked about it. He's been around the Phillies team and organization for a while. They all know him. They're comfortable with him, And I didn't hear a single average thing come out of a player's mouth about being excited to play for him it shows it it absolutely has over the weekend and moving on to our next topic you know with the Phillies winning those three games we also saw the Angels lose all three of those games to lose 11 games in a row yeah I need to talk about the Angels it is ridiculous what is going on there really good teams go on losing streaks really good teams don't lose 11 in a row. This is a good baseball team. This is a playoff-worthy baseball team. They should not be losing 11 in a row. The way they lost on Sunday was disgusting. There's no way that should have happened. And the sad thing is, is you just knew it was going to happen. Bryce Harper comes up with the bases loaded and you just knew it was going to happen. Then they end up scoring in the ninth inning and they still find a way to blow it. This has been ridiculous for the Angels. They are way too talented of a team to be losing 11 games in a row. Now let's talk about a few reasons why and a few people that need to step up. First off, let me say this. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are superstars. When they aren't playing to the best of their ability, you have to have other people step up. You have to have other guys in the lineup that can pick up Mike Trout and Shohei Otani when they aren't carrying a team. Joe Adele, I'm calling out Joe Adele. He he can be a superstar. He has superstar talent. It's time he produces at the big league level. It's time he comes up and can help this team win ball games night in and night out. I've seen him for years produce in the minor league level, and then he comes up and he's not the same guy. It's time he steps up and and becomes that guy. This bullpen has been ridiculous over this stretch. Step up. Get some outs in big situations. This team is too good to be that way. They have to be getting out. Sunday, Rysel Iglesias comes in in the eighth inning. He hadn't pitched in nine days. I'm going to call out Joe Madden. Joe Madden's on the hot seat right now. I don't know if Joe Madden is going to be here much longer for this Angels team. He's he's had his shot. He now has a really talented team, and he's making some moves that just make me scratch my head. Is he a player manager? Sure. 
Everybody loves them. But this team should be winning. And it's happening all over the place. Everybody is everybody needs to step up and be a part of it. Not just Trout and Shohei. Those guys, you know what they're going to get. But when they're struggling, you need to have guys step up and pick them up. Mike Trout right now is in the midst of the longest Ofer stretch in his entire career. He's allowed to do that. He's Mike Trout. He's the greatest player on the planet. He's got to be able to have guys come up and, and step up and figure it out. Injuries have been plaguing this team as well. Taylor Ward was one of the best players on the planet this year. He's been, he's been hurt lately. It just gets frustrating watching this team because it, it feels like they should be talented enough to not go through this. This is what's going to separate them from that team that they've been in the past to the team that they should be now. Don't allow yourself to go on these stretches. You're too talented. Somebody has to step up and pick up the other guys. The offense needs to pick up the pitchers. The pitchers need to pick up the offense. Joe Madden needs to make the right moves in the dugout. But none of that stuff is happening. And that's how you see 11 in a row. They go from being one of the best teams in baseball to just being a, a below 500 team. It's ridiculous. It's, it's tough to watch. It really is. I, I, I need a breather before I get into the, the statistics here because, you know, as a, you know, I'm a massive Shohei fan, but I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. I want to see Shohei Otani in the playoffs. They're talented enough to be in the playoffs. It's ridiculous what's happening right now. It's frustrating as a fan of the game of baseball to see how poorly they've been playing. And Sunday was just the icing on the cake. They score five runs early in the ball game. They have a four-run lead in the eighth inning, and then they end up blowing it and losing the ball game. Eleven in a row losses. It's tough to watch. It is really tough to watch. I mean, it really is. But I think in the grand scope of things, you never think a team is going to lose eleven games in a row with how talented they are. But all the games they have lost, you know, they lost one game to the Rangers. You get swept by the Blue Jays, who are playing really good baseball right now. You lose to the Yankees, top team in baseball, and then you catch a Phillies team at the wrong time. They switch the managerial stuff. Angels come to town. It's one of those things. What what can the Angels do, hopefully, in the near future to get better and maybe get back on the, on the horse here? Pitch, hit, play defense, get healthy. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. It really is. During their 10-game losing streak, so heading into Sunday, they were averaging 2.8 runs a game. 2.8 runs per game. That ain't going to cut it. They were 4.8 runs per game before that losing streak. A total of two runs difference. That's wild. This losing streak is unprecedented for a team that was well above 500 as they were. They're one of only four teams in the history of the game to be 10 games above 500 and to take a, to have a losing streak bring them below that. Four teams in the expansion era. They were an elite team in this game. You don't have a team that is as good as they are and goes on a stretch like this. There's there's more happening than just your superstar struggling or your manager making the wrong moves or injuries. It's a culmination of everything. 
And if you sit here and blame the losing streak on Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, shame on you. It's not them. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Superstars struggle all the time. You got to have guys around you on a good team that are capable of picking them up. They're only the third team in MLB history, or there have only been three teams in MLB history that have reached the playoffs in a season in which they had an 11-game losing streak. Only three in history. Then 51 Giants, the 82 Braves, and the 2017 Dodgers. On May 15th, the Angels were 24-13, and 13, tied with the Astros for first place in the AL West. The Angels are now 27 and 28, eight and a half games behind the Houston Astros. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things what I mean with the Angels we kind of waited for this when the season started, you know, where it was, hey, you know what? They're going up, they're ascending, they're ascending. Are they going to drop off? And it's like, well, maybe this is the year they finally put it all together with Mike Trout. And unfortunately, it seems like injuries, fatigue, whatever else has finally caught up with them. Yeah. I mean, the Angels Twitter account tweeted this the other day. We are straight up not having a good time. Facts. Facts. Same. As a guy that just wants to watch good baseball, that's a good team. I'm not watching good baseball when I watch the Angels right now. It's frustrating. They, they are way better than this. They need to be playing better. I had to call them out. You know, I called them out in April. They went on a little bit of a skid. I called them out, and they started playing much better. So I had to go above and beyond that call out. This is a this is a real call out. I'm calling out. I called out Joe Adele. I'm calling out Joe Madden. I'm calling out the six, seven, eight, nine guys in this lineup. The the depth that they have this year should be much better. The Angels get down at the bottom of their lineup, and it's like, oh great, this isn't going to be great. I'm calling out a lot of guys. Yeah, I and deservedly so. But let's move on to something else that's extremely frustrating. And that was how umpires have kind of been going back and forth with players of lately. Ryan Presley ejected on Sunday, which he shouldn't have been. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so we we can start with the Ryan Presley situation on on Sunday. But this is about umpires. This is about the way they've been taking over games. And I am once again here to say that umpires need to be held accountable. We've had to do this a few times now. On Sunday, Ryan Presley, the closer for the Houston Astros, is in in a four-run game. There's two outs in the bottom of the ninth. He throws inside on a batter. It didn't hit him. He got out of the way of it. He hadn't thrown at anybody at any point. There was no warnings on either side. The umpire comes out from behind home plate, decides to meet with the other umpires. Ryan Presley is rightfully so really frustrated. Umpires are right in front of him. He says something, and the umpire ejects him. Ejects him from the game. And he had an attitude about it. You know how you can tell when like people have an attitude? Like It looks like they want to throw him out. It looked like he wanted to throw him out. 
And that's been the theme here this year. It looks like umpires are wanting guys to say something to them. Like, say something. I'm going to throw you out. I look back at Madison Bumgarner. There was a situation with him earlier in the year. Madison Bumgarner comes out after the first inning, walks back to the dugout, wasn't happy with a few calls that inning, gets his hand checked for this the substance check, and it starts lasting way too long. And there's a video of the umpire doing this substance check, like staring into his soul. It was really, really weird. It was, it was like really odd watching this. The umpire just doing the substance check isn't staring at his hand. He's staring right at him and just like petting his hand. It was awkward. So eventually, Madison Bumgarner's like, hey, wait, what are you doing? Let's, let's go. Umpire throws him out of the game after one inning. Ridiculous. Over the weekend, in the Cubs-Cardinals matchup, Oliver Marmol, Cardinals manager, ends up getting thrown out of the game because there's a massive missed call. There were plenty of missed calls in that game, but there was a big one with the bases loaded. The Cardinals were down four runs, two outs, bases loaded, full count. There's a pitch that was legitimately a foot outside that was called a strike. Marmol goes out. He throws his, throws his iPad. This was a great ejection, by the way. Throws his iPad, draws a line in the sand, I'm here for all of this. But you know what? I'm not expecting umpires to be perfect, but it's the attitude they have about them. It's the things they're saying throughout. This umpire said to Oliver Marmol as he came out that the pitch wasn't that far off. He said, it wasn't that far off. Oh, that really grinds my gears. Are you kidding me? Wasn't that far off? I don't care. If it's off, it's off. This one happened to be that far off. It was a good six inches off at minimum. But nothing pisses me off more. This happened to me all the time at the plate. I will ask or or I'll be disappointed in a call. I'll know it's off the plate. When you get to the point where you're playing baseball professionally, you know the you know the strike zone and you probably know it better than umpires cuz nobody has stood in that box more than you. So I'll know when a pitch is off, but I'll I'll say like, "Hey, that was off." And nah, nah, that was a good pitch, Ben. What do you mean that was a good pitch? I don't care if it's a good pitch. It's either a ball or it's a strike. There is a plate there that you can look at and that tells you what is a ball and what is a strike. For that umpire to say it wasn't that far off, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Even even not that much, not that long ago, this week, Zach Gallen on the mound for the Diamondbacks. The umpire almost charged the mound after him. What is happening with umpires? It's ridiculous. You gotta be held accountable. And I was really, I really thought about this. I was thinking about why we're seeing this more and more often. Why, you know, missed calls are a part of baseball. But why does it seem like the umpires are inserting themselves into games more and their their personalities? And I really started thinking about it. Over the course of the last couple of years, we've talked more and more about robot umpires. The call for robot umpires has come up more. So I almost feel like umpires have said, we're going to prove 
that we are needed in this game. You need us. This is what we can do on the field. But it's backfiring. Even more so, people are like, get them out of there. I'm not... I'm not for or against robot umpires right now. I think having an umpire behind the plate making the calls is part of baseball. But their egos should be out of it. And if they continually are bad, well, they need to have repercussions. Send them down. Bring up umpires that are doing a great job. But there's no place for their egos involved in baseball. And that's what we're seeing more and more in the game right now. We saw it over the weekend. We've seen it over the course of the season. It's really bad. And all I'm saying, once again, is that there needs to be repercussion for umpires. What if we didn't have to go the length of having to go to robo-umps, but kind of installing something like the NBA did, which I thought was beautiful a couple years ago, where you know, I know, I know you can't challenge balls and strikes, but in high-leverage situations, you should be able to challenge an, an egregious call. If it's an egregious call like it was in the St. Louis game, bases loaded, you should be able to go, hey, get someone from New York to tell us that that was a strike or not. Now, do you think something like that or would that just be going against the umpires too much and to make them look super bad? So that is similar to something that I have pitched earlier this year, but I don't I don't think that's the direction because we don't want more challenges where you have to go to go to New York. But what I do want to see is something similar to what we see in tennis. Okay? There's a there's a judge, there's a line judge there that makes all of the calls. But if a player disagrees with that call, they can in the moment raise their hand, challenge it, and then they bring in the technology. They have that Hawkeye technology that is able to know in a heartbeat whether it was in or whether it was out. So what I would like to see, and actually what my brother tweeted and proposed in baseball earlier this year, was that we have a system set up like that, where you get almost like a veto. You you get a challenge, but it has to be in the moment, and you use the technology to buzz down and in that moment say, yeah, you know what? That was a strike. That was a ball. If you lose, if you're wrong, you lose it. And you only get one, the pitcher and the batter. But what I think that does, and I think umpires should like this, is it would help with those egregious missed calls. You know what we saw the other day? We saw an umpire miss a call, and as the pitcher was coming off the field, he said, I I missed that. I'm sorry. I missed that. I love that. But what this would do is in the moment, you're able to correct that. So we don't see a game in in the ninth inning, end with a call that's six inches off the plate. The Cardinals game the other day, where the ball was six inches off the plate in a situation with a tying run at the plate down four. You can challenge it in the moment, if you have one, and technology should easily get in the umpire's ear and say that was a ball. A beep if it was a strike. And then you move on. It takes five seconds. That's what I would like to see. And I, I, we have the technology to do it. We see it in tennis. And I think it would just help correct the egregious missed calls. And I think umpires would be on board for that. They're human. They miss calls. I'm not asking umpires to be perfect. But I'm asking for us to catch up with the times, use the technology we have, but still use the umpires behind the plate and to get their egos out of the game. Too much to ask? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. 
I mean, it's the year 2022. We have way too much technology to still be messing up the simple things as balls and strikes. And I think that that's one thing MLB has kind of been reluctant with is that, hey, you know, we're going to let our ums be humans. They're going to go out there and do their thing. But as you alluded to, there's just no repercussions for calling a bad game. Yep. And that's that's what really hurts. But let's round third, head home to a positive note. The New York Yankees and the Mets both playing tremendous baseball right now, especially the New York Yankees. Is there a better city to be a baseball fan in right now other than New York City? A month ago, you could have argued, yeah, Los Angeles. Not anymore. The Angels have been atrocious. The place to be is New York. The Yankees have been fantastic. The Mets have been incredible. Both of them. And they've been doing it in all different ways. And they've all been doing it in ways that we didn't expect. Let's start with the New York Yankees. The Yankees have been getting it done from their pitching. The pitching staff has been phenomenal. Coming into this year, if somebody were to tell you the New York Yankees are going to be the best team in baseball through two months of the year, what would you have assumed is carrying them? The offense, obviously. No, it's been the pitching. Yeah, the offense has been good. Aaron Judge is playing like an MVP. But the pitching staff has been phenomenal. The last four games for the Yankees starters, and this was over the weekend, Nestor Cortez went seven innings, five hits, no earned runs. Jamison Tyon took a perfect game late into the game. Eight innings pitched, two hits, one earned. Garrett Cole ends up seven innings pitched, two hits, no earned. That's late into the game, took a perfect game. Luis Severino, seven innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs. Unbelievable what the Yankees have been doing. They've become the fourth team to allow 10 or fewer base runners in a three-game span since 1901. I don't know if you remember that, Producer Conrad. 1901. That's a long time ago. I I don't remember that. But they become the first team since 1901 to do that. Including today, the Yankees have held their opponents to four runs or less in 11 straight games. They lead Major League Baseball in Team ERA at a 2.74. Say that one more time. 2.74. One more? One more. 2.74. Team ERA. It leads baseball. Their whip also leads baseball 1.04. That's a good recipe for success. They also are the first team in the expansion era to be the first team to have back to back starters in back to back games take a perfect game into the seventh inning or later. I was locked in on both of those. We almost dropped in an emergency flipping bats pod because of that. We would have had to. It got jinxed, though. It got jinxed because everybody in the world, don't get me started. I will go in on this. I, I'm tired of the jinxes, but it did. It got jinxed. I even had I even have friends texting me now intentionally jinxing, but that's a different story for a different day. But this has been incredible. And if you, th- if you hear before the year starts that the Yankees rotation is going to be one of the best in baseball, you probably think Garrett Cole is being Garrett Cole and is the best of the best in baseball. Guess what? He, ha- he hasn't been the best on that team. 
Gary Cole, 5-1 with a 2.78 ERA. That's great. Nestor Cortez, 5-1 with a 1.5 ERA. That's incredible. Jamison Tyon, 6-1 with a 2.3. Luis Severino, 4-1 with a 2.95. Jordan Montgomery, the worst of the bunch with a 3.02 ERA. That's the starting rotation. The back end of the bullpen. Let's talk about that for a second. The Yankees are 31-0 this year when entering the seventh inning with a lead. 31-0. Clay Holmes has been phenomenal. Holmes this season, 4-0 with a 0.34 ERA. Eight saves and a 0.68 whip. 28 strikeouts in 26 and two-thirds innings. Clay Holmes was announced today as the AL Reliever of the Month for May. Here were his stats in that month. 14 innings pitched, a 0.00 ERA, pretty good, pretty good. 15 Ks, zero walks, a 0.57 whip. Four out of four in save opportunities. Perfect, if you will. Perfect. The Yankees are doing it. And they're doing it because of their pitching. Yes, their superstars have been great. Aaron Judge is in MVP form. Giancarlo Stanton was out for a little while, but he's been good. Anthony Rizzo feels like he's hitting a bunch of clutch homers. DJ LeMahieu's been really good. Defensively, they've been different. They have speed as well. This team is complete, but they are complete because the pitching staff has not only been better than expected, it has been historically good. And that's not a stretch to say. So over in New York, on one side, you got the Yankees doing their thing. But on the other side of New York, you have the New York Mets, who are playing like the best team in the National League. And they've been doing it totally differently. And like I said at the top of this segment, both of these teams are doing it differently and different than you would have expected to start the year. If you had heard when the lockout ended and it's, okay, baseball, go. If you had heard the Mets were going to be the best team in the National League, you would think, wow, Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, they got to be killing it. Well, guess what? Jacob deGrom hasn't thrown a pitch this year and Max Scherzer's been out for a little while with an injury as well. Everybody else has stepped up. Tyler McGill stepped up to start the year. He was fantastic. He actually got hurt as well. Chris Bassett has stepped up. Carrasco's been good. The offense. Everybody is helping everybody. It's like ELE. Everybody love everybody. Well, everybody's helping everybody there. This is what's different about this Mets team. They have guys that are capable of picking everybody else up. Last year, Pete Alonso and and Francisco Lindor, they were tasked with carrying the team. And when they weren't doing it, well, they weren't very good. Lindor, he wasn't very good last year. Well, guess what? Those guys have been better this year. Pete Alonso is the only player in all of baseball since 2019 with 100 or more homers and 300 or more RBIs. The only player in baseball. 
He has officially entered the top 10 on the Mets' all-time home run list. His 122 career home runs are tied with Kevin McReynolds for 10th place. At his current pace, Alonzo would rank 6th in Mets history by season's end. Daryl Strawberry holds the record with 252. So you have Alonzo playing well. He had 30 RBIs, by the way, in the month of May. 30. That's pretty good. You have Lindor playing better. But then there's the other guys. You don't have to rely on those two. Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Jeff McNeil. They've been really good when they need to be. They've picked up other guys. They're capable of carrying a team on their own if they need to. Not carrying an entire team, but like if other guys are struggling, they're capable of stepping in and getting wins for the Mets. The New York Mets have been really good. They've been a lot of fun, and it hasn't been how we expected it to happen. But that's often how you get the best teams. They play well when, you, when you're not expecting it. When they have stuff going on that you wouldn't expect, they step up and they do it in a way that you wouldn't expect. And then guess what? In a couple of months or a month, or I don't know the exact date, I'm also not a doctor, but you're going to get the guys back that are going to help you do what you expected to do. Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, they're going to come back at some point. Would you have expected this team to be this good without them? Would you have expected to be this good and to go into Dodger Stadium and split a series with the best team on paper in baseball without DeGrom and without Scherzer? No, but I promise you it builds that confidence. So come October, when these two teams are certainly in the playoffs, guess what? Hey, we're good enough to compete with the Dodgers without our two aces? Now we have our two aces? Oh, That builds confidence like no other. So baseball is reigning supreme in New York City, in the Bronx, and in Queens. It's just a lot of fun to watch baseball there. So shout out to the Yankees. Shout out to the Mets for doing it, doing it better than anybody, and doing it in a way that we didn't expect it to be done. But that does it for rounding the bases. That actually leads us perfectly, I think, into this week's top 10 Major League Baseball Power Rankings. At number 10, we're starting off with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers are hanging on by a thread. They're down two of their big three in the starting rotation. Willie Adamas has been out for a while, and this team, quite frankly, is not playing good baseball. But they're still 10 games over, 500. They're still a good baseball team. I believe in them. But if they have another bad week, they're going to be off the top 10. And they might even be out of first place. Which leads to number nine. Moving on to number nine, I have the St. Louis Cardinals. They're in second place behind the Brew Crew, but they are closing in, and they are closing in fast. They're sitting at 31 and 23, playing good baseball. Is there a better baseball player on the planet right now than Paul Goldschmidt? I don't know. I don't think so. They're here at number nine. Moving on to number eight, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays just the Rays just figure out a way to win baseball games in the AL East, and there's you know there might not be a rhyme or reason to it. Um, they just get the best out of everybody on their roster every single year, and it's remarkable how they do it. 
Uh, and they're doing it again this year. They're at 31 and 23 and perhaps and most likely the toughest division in all of baseball. Moving on, number seven on this week's top 10, we have the Minnesota Twins. I really like what the Twins did this week. You know, people say, well, the Twins haven't played anybody. They're in a terrible division. Guess what? The Twins go into Toronto, not an easy place to play, and they beat the Blue Jays in two out of three. I like this Twins team. I've been on their bandwagon for a little while now. I think they do everything really well. And they've been without a lot of their guys lately. You know, Correa was out for a while. Joe Ryan has been out for a while now. They've been dealing with some injuries, and they still have been finding ways to win ballgames and now winning ballgames against good teams. So they're here at number seven. Moving on, number six on my top 10 power rankings, those Toronto Blue Jays that the Twins just beat. So why are the Blue Jays ahead of the Twins? Well, that's a good question. I just really believe in this Blue Jays team. They have been playing much better of late. They went on a long winning streak that came to an end over the course of the past week. But this is the Blue Jays team that we expected to see heading into the season. The Blue Jays team that I predicted could win the World Series. They're playing better. They're playing like the team we expected, and they are here at number six on my top 10 power rankings. Moving on to number five on the power rankings, the San Diego Padres. Actually closing in on the Dodgers in the NL West, the Padres without Fernando Tatis. I know I keep saying this every time I mention the Padres. I say they're doing this without Fernando Tatis. That's a massive deal. Fernando Tatis is one of the best players in baseball, but how are they doing this still? The pitching. You Darvish, Joe Musgrove, who has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, Blake Snell, the rotation, Mackenzie Gore. Are you kidding me? What he's done as a rookie? It's been the pitching rotation for the San Diego Padres, and it's been impressive to see. Manny Machado has been playing fantastic. The Padres come in at number five. Moving on to number four, I have the Houston Astros. The Astros are just doing it in every facet of the game. They lock up Jordan Alvarez to a great deal, by the way. If I'm the Astros, if I'm an Astros fan, and I see the deal that they locked up Jordan Alvarez for, I am thrilled. And what has he done since then, since he locked in that deal? He's just gone out and murdered baseballs. It's been ridiculous. But it's not just him. The pitching staff has been great all year long. Justin... From Valdez, um, Luis Garcia, Jose Arquiti, they've been really good. Jake Odorizzi is going to come back at some point after he looked like he had figured it out. The pitching staff has been lights out. The bullpen has been one of the best in baseball, which is the biggest difference for them this year as opposed to last year. They were middle of the pack last year. They're one of the best in baseball this year, and we all know how good that offense is. That's why the Houston Astros are here at number four. Moving on. Number three, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes, I have the Dodgers at number three. Let me explain why. This is a fact. The Dodgers have had, by far, the easiest schedule in all of baseball this year. Dead last in terms of opponent strength of schedule. Okay, I do believe they are a great team. Their record states that. But how good? Well, they had a good team come into town this weekend. A good team that is really beat up. 
the Mets, they aren't close to completely healthy. They aren't close to having their best pitchers. They don't have Jacob deGrom. They don't have Max Scherzer. So neither of them pitched in this series, and they are dealing with some injuries. Francisco Lindor not at full health because he shut his hand in a door and hurt his finger. Don't get me started there. But they split that series. The Mets, not even close to full strength, go in to L.A. and split that series. I I don't know, man. I, I got them here at number three. I'll explain who the top two are in a second. I think the Dodgers are a great team, but they aren't winning games against great teams. They're 500 against the Mets. They have the worst schedule in baseball in terms of win percentage. And to me, they're going to need to prove a little more to creep up up this list where their roster says they should be. Their roster is the best in baseball. And for a little stretch recently, largely because of what Mookie Betts has been doing, they were playing like the best team in baseball. I knocked them down just a little bit, and it's more of a statement on these top two teams. So let's move on to number two. And in the two position, I have the New York Mets. The Mets have been killing it. It's been really impressive what they've been doing. They have no business playing as good as they are with the amount of injuries they have to their entire roster. The money that they have in payroll that is sitting on the IL is remarkable. Jacob deGrom on the IL. Max Scherzer on the IL. Francisco Lindor hurt his finger. He didn't go on the IL, but he missed a little bit of time. This team is just finding ways to pick each other up. They're 37-19. and 19. They have the best record in the National League. They went into L.A. against a team that was considered the best in the National League and split that series against a really good team without full strength. I've been really impressed with the New York Mets, and I had to move them up the power rankings. It's been impressive. So they are here at number two, which leaves the number one spot, and that's reserved for the other team in New York, the team in the Bronx the New York Yankees. What their pitching staff has been doing is historic. What Clay Holmes has been doing in the back end of that bullpen is electric. What Aaron Judge has been doing is MVP worthy. You add all that up, and what do you have? You have the best team in baseball. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And for one week, last week, I moved them out of the number one spot. Because I had concerns. They were losing a few more ball games. The Dodgers were playing great. I had concerns with the back end of the bullpen. Meraldis Chapman on the IL, but he was struggling before that. But they went out and just showed me, hey, Ben, guess what? We're still the number one team in baseball. And that's why they're here. The New York teams are sitting at the top spots. You got the Mets at two, the Yankees at one. And those teams round out my top 10 MLB power rankings for this week. All right, and now it is time for my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani news. I'm going to talk about Shohei potentially tipping his pitches in New York 
We're going to talk about Shohei Otani Sunday, which I came up with. And we're going to talk about quite the compliment that John Smoltz paid him the other day on TV. But let's start with him potentially tipping pitches in New York. Now, I don't mean this to come off as an, an excuse for a poor outing because he ended up throwing three innings, eight hits, four earned runs. But to me, it was pretty obvious that the Yankees knew what was coming. Now, why do I say that? Well, the Yankees are the best in the business at picking up on something that a pitcher is doing. Tipping pitches is so prevalent in Major League Baseball. The majority of pitchers are doing it. In fact, the very next game over the weekend, there was a video that surfaced of the Yankees picking up on a pitcher's tipped pitches. There is no doubt in my mind that the Yankees have something on Shohei Otani. He comes out of the game, and they start swinging and missing a lot more. Shohei has the best chase percentage of any pitcher in all of baseball. All of baseball. They only swung and missed at three pitches. Three of their 44 swings they whiffed on against Shohei. Shohei Otani on if he was tipping his pitches. I'm not sure. You can ask the other side, he said laughing. Which I think is cool because I'm the one that came out and announced to everybody that I think Shohei Otani is tipping his pitches and that the New York Yankees picked up on something. Now, thinking back on it, there's no doubt in my mind. Last time that Shohei pitched in New York against the Yankees, it didn't go well. Then over the week, on Thursday, he pitched against the Yankees. It didn't go well. Joe Madden noted it was strange to see Shohei Otani register just three swings and misses on the mound. Didn't accuse the Yankees of doing anything wrong, but he hinted at Otani possibly tipping his pitches. They're really good at reading pitchers. They're very good at it, Joe Madden said. Let me also make that a good point. This isn't anything wrong the Yankees are doing. This is a part of baseball. I have spent hours in a film room before games trying to pick up on what a pitcher is doing. It is a very prevalent part of the game of baseball. I just believe that the Yankees have something on Shohei because now two starts in a row in New York didn't go very well. And it begs the question, do other teams have this as well? Because now on the year, Shohei Otani is 3-4, and four, with a 3.99 ERA, which isn't bad by any means. It's just average. And there's nothing about Shohei Otani that is average. He throws 101 miles an hour with wipeout stuff. No, that's swing and miss stuff, no matter how you look at it. Unless you know what's coming, if a pitcher's throwing 101 miles an hour with a nasty splitter and a wipeout slider, you're going to get more swings and misses than three. You just are. So that right there tells you, for sure, the Yankees had something on Shohei. So hopefully he can watch some film, figure out what he's doing, and I think we're going to start seeing him dominate here soon. We saw it last year. After he struggled in New York, guess what? He went on and started dominating the rest of the year on the mound. But speaking of that wipeout stuff, it leads me to another point here. And it has to do with our very own at Fox, John Smoltz. Smoltz the other day during the game said, and I quote, Shohei Otani, if he just focused on his pitching, could be Jacob deGrom. If he never hit again and he only focused on pitching, 
He is Jacob deGrom. John Smoltz is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever do it. He is saying that about Shohei Otani for a reason. Why? Well, look at the stuff. First off, his stuff is just as good. He throws 101 miles an hour. He has a splitter that last year was the best pitch in the game of baseball. Since Shohei came into the league through last year, his splitter has been the most unhittable pitch in the game of baseball. And now he's added this slider that just moves like the length of a batter's box. It's disgusting. His stuff is there. Now add on top of that that he's pitching and hitting, so he's naturally not able to put all of his focus on pitching. That's just a fact. Imagine if he did. Imagine if he was. Well, John Smoltz says if he did, he's Jacob deGrom. That's pretty high praise. I'm not going to bet against that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything other than that. Nobody knows. We might know in a few years, because who knows how long Shohei's going to be able to do both. I hope he does it forever. Is that realistic? I don't know. I would never bet against Shohei Otani doing what he's doing now forever. I just wouldn't. But if he was just pitching, he's Jacob DeGrom. And I think if he's just hitting, he's the best hitter in baseball. Add them both together, and he's elite at both. He's the unanimous MVP, and he's one of the best players in baseball and the most impressive player that we have seen in Major League Baseball ever in history. And I don't say that lightly. Last but not least, I want to talk about Shohei Otani Sundays. It's been incredible what Shohei has been doing on Sundays. He's hitting 361, four homers, 10 RBIs just on Sunday. He has the second most RBIs of anybody in the league on Sundays. And I started noticing this over the course of the last couple of weeks. And last week, I dubbed it Shohei Otani Sunday. So leading into this week, I said, hey guys, happy Shohei Otani Sunday. We know he's going to be doing something cool. Well, guess what? Hits a double, first to bat, couple RBIs. That's just Shohei on Sundays. It has been really cool to watch. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason behind it. I know a lot of guys like to play day games. Shohei just likes to play in day games because most Sundays are that. But just another day that Shohei is able to dominate. And if every day in the baseball season could be Sunday, well, guess what? He'd be the unanimous MVP all over again. And I'm not counting him out to be that again this year anyway. That's how good he is. I know he's going to turn it around in all facets of the game. I know his pitching is going to get better, even though it's sitting at average right now. And I know his hitting is going to get better. But I made the point I wanted to make earlier. Shohei Otani is an average. He is elite in everything he does. He is an elite hitter. He is an elite pitcher. He is an elite researcher and preparer. And that makes him the most impressive player we have ever seen in Major League Baseball. But that does it for this week in Shohei Otani news. I cannot wait to see what I'm going to bring to you next week in this segment. Until next time, this has been This Week in Shohei Otani News. All right, I am excited for this segment. Every week here on Flippin' Bats, I have been doing Team of the Week, where I can highlight one player from every position. Well, now, the first ever Team of the Month. That's right, May is done, so let's do a Team of the Month. And let's start 
at the catcher position with Wilson Contreras. He's been incredible for the Cubs. Six homers, 289 on the month, a 1.018 OPS. But he's just been fantastic this month. He really turned it on in the month of May, so he makes this list at catcher. Over to first base, my first baseman on Team of the Month. Who else? Paul Goldschmidt. He was incredible. Ten home runs, a 404 batting average, and a 1.288 OPS. Oh, what a month. Over to second base, we have Brendan Rodgers of the Colorado Rockies. 347 on the month, 864 OPS, two homers, just killed it out there in Colorado at second base. So he was an easy decision, honestly. Good for him, good for Brendan Rodgers, team of the month at second base. Moving on over to third base, Rafael Devers. Eight home runs, 381, a 1.133 OPS. Now, OPS, on-base percentage, plus slugging. Anything over one is ridiculous. Devers was a 1.133. He's at third base on my May team of the month. Moving on over to shortstop. At short, we have the rookie sensation, Jeremy Pena. Killing it. 333, four homers, and 872 OPS. Playing really good defense. The shoes he stepped in for in Carlos Correa. To do this in his first full month in the big leagues, Incredible. And he's on my team of the month at shortstop. Let's head to the outfield, where I have three outfielders. Any position, just three outfielders total. We'll start with the first one. First outfielder, Mookie Betts. 12 homers in May. 342 batting average. 1.157 OPS. Mookie Betts was the MVP of old. The Boston Red Sox MVP Mookie Betts we saw in May, and it was incredible. He carried a really, really good baseball team. The best baseball team on paper, the Dodgers, he put them all on his back and was absolutely phenomenal. Mookie's the first outfielder. Next up on my team of the month, Aaron Judge. 12 home runs, 311 batting average. 1.077 OPS. Aaron Judge is having an MVP caliber year. He turned down that contract, said, hey, I'm going to go earn my money. And now he's doing this. Doing this in one month. This is a good year for a lot of guys. Are you kidding me? Aaron Judge is on this list. My last outfielder on team of the month, Cole Calhoun of the Texas Rangers. Seven homers. 326, 1.012 OPS. Cole Calhoun and the Rangers. Don't sleep on the Rangers, by the way. Got off to a slower start, but they've been playing really well lately. Everybody thinks of Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager when you think Rangers. We'll start talking about this guy because what a May he had. Next up, the designated hitter on my May team of the month, Bryce Harper. Seven homers. 347 batting average, 1.078 OPS. Killed it in May, and he's killing it in June. We saw his grand slam in the eighth inning on Sunday. That was sick. Bryce Harper is killing it, even with one partially torn UCL. He's still doing it, but he's just doing it at the DH position now. So that's why he's here. He hasn't been able to play the outfield at all this year since the injury. He has been DHing all year since then. Next up. 
on the mound, starting pitcher, team of the month, another Texas Ranger, Martin Perez Forno, a 0.64 ERA and a 0.90 whip. 0.64 ERA in an entire month from a pitcher. That's remarkable. He's also flirted with a couple with a perfect game, a no-hitter. I mean, this guy's killing it. Reliever on my team of the month, the closer. We are going with Josh Hader. Josh Hader, eight saves in the month, 0.00 ERA, and a 0.80 batting average against. People hit 0.80 against him in May. He's one of the most dominant pitchers we have seen. He is certainly in the conversation right now as a closer for the Cy Young Award. And that's why he is here as my closer on May Team of the Month. And that rounds out the first ever Team of the Month. But what I wanted to do to wrap this all up is announce my first ever Flippin' Bats Player of the Month. And my May Player of the Month is Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie killed it this month. 10 homers, batted 404, had a 1.288 OPS, and 33 RBIs in the month of May. 33 RBIs in one month. He was on another level in May, and that is why he's my first ever player of the month here on Flippin' Bass, which we'll do every month. But hey, an unsung MVP candidate? Nobody was talking about it coming into this year, but these numbers, these numbers scream MVP. He is my player of the month in May. Before I wrap up, as always, a little extra inning segment, and this one is Joey Votto. Again, I feel like Joey Votto has been on this extra inning segment, a good feel-good situation many, many times. And he did it again over the course of this past week. In Cincinnati, a young fan was holding up a sign that says, My dad has ALS. Will you meet him, Mr. Votto? Joey Votto, after the game, went over and not only met him, but hung out with him. Hung out with the family. Spent some time there. It was just a really, really cool moment. And he was asked about that after the game in his post-game interview. He just said it was really cool for them to give him that time. To allow him to be around them. He was grateful for their time. How cool is that? That's special. That's a special guy. And, you know, I have no doubts Again, on this show, I will be putting Joey Votto in this segment and talking about him in this way. He is just one of the best dudes in baseball. He's actually fun to watch as well on top of that. His social media platforms are great. But this is just another Votto feel-good moment, and it was incredible. So good for him. That does it for another episode of Flippin' Bats. This has been a blast of an episode. We had a lot to catch you up on, a lot to cover, and we have an incredible week coming at you tuesday the braves legend john smoltz wednesday rookie phenom astro shortstop jeremy pena and our live episode on thursday this is going to be a blast make sure you guys are subscribed following so you don't miss any of it anywhere you listen to your podcast 
Flippin' Bats with Ben Verlander. We're also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Flippin' Bats Pod. And if you want to watch every episode, the video of it, we're on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod. This has been a blast. Thank you all for joining me. I will see you all on Tuesday. Peace.